This amazing experience is a place where you too can connect, discover, grow, and lead for God here at Common Bond Church. Amen. It is time for the word of God. Are you ready to hear God's word in your life today? Uh, We are going to hear a message that is titled a new start, a fresh start. So I'm hope you're ready for it. I'm ready to be able to share this message with you. We're going to hear one song by Candace Harding and immediately we'll hear that word. Amen. God, we come to you today giving you glory for every way that you've made out of no way when it seemed impossible and that we weren't going to make it through. We thank you, God. We give you our praise. We give you the glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes. Standing here, not knowing how we'll get through this test. Holding on to faith, you know best Cause nothing can catch you by surprise You've got this figured out And you're watching us now And when it looks as if we can't win You wrapped us in your arms and stepped Everything we need you supply You got this in control And now we know that you made a way When our backs were against the wall And it looked as if it was over You, you made a way And we're standing
Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Romans chapter five. Together, we'll read verses 15 through 21 before we hear this message, a new start, a fresh start. Amen. In Romans chapter five, the Bible says these words. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Christ Jesus, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Christ Jesus. Therefore, as one trespass is led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's disobedience, the many will made be made righteousness. Now the law came in to increase the trespass where sin increased. Grace abounded all the more so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, thank you so much for the reading of your word. And Lord, thank you for what the Apostle Paul has written to us to receive, to grow in, and to be able to live our life through. Lord, I pray now today that um, through these words that you have declared through the Apostle Paul, that you're now declaring to us, that you help us to understand them, uh, that you anoint them with an anointing that helps us to actually be moved into the pathway that you so desired. Lord, I recognize today that we can only do that, not by the articulation of a man, not by the understanding of mere words on the page, but by your spirit and by your power. And so, Lord, I ask that you anoint us today, that you endue us with tremendous power, that your spirit move through me and through all that will hear and watch this message so that we can be receiving the things that you desire us to receive. Lord, let us be new people. Let us be changed people. Let us move into the pathway of your purposes and your plans that you have for us. Lord, it's an exciting day. It's an exciting time to receive what you have for us. Lord, when we receive all that you have, let us come back giving you the praise, glory, and honor and declaring all that you are good, that you are merciful, that you are gracious, that you are a life changer, that you are a life giver. Lord, we pray all these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, today I want to start by asking you a question. Have you ever heard of a man named Nearest Green? <laughs> he is also commonly known as Uncle Nearest. If you haven't heard of Nearest Green, I'm pretty sure that you've heard of another man called Jim Beam because Nearest Green was actually a slave that actually worked for Jim Beam and actually gave him the recipe for his whiskey that is now world renowned. You know, Nearest Green was a man one man whose legacy that we really don't know about, but another man, Jim Bean, we know his legacy very clear. You know, his descendants and all the people that work for him are prosperous because of his one recipe and his one legacy. Another man 
could have been that same kind of reality. His name was Nearest Green, but he didn't get that opportunity. Instead, we don't know his descendants. We don't know his family. We don't know uh, about all the workers that could have been uh, prospering through his line. And so today I want to share with you that one man, one woman can change a legacy, can change the trajectory of many. And we're going to find out in the scripture how that happens, either for good or for evil. Let's go immediately to the word, because I think that God wants us to have to uh, an understanding of the power of one. And we're going to go immediately to the scriptures by looking at Romans chapter five, verses 15 through 21. And I'm going to start with verse 15 because it shares with us the impact of many through one man. It says that verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift of the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And what that both says to you and I is two sides of the coin. I always love to remind us that God works on two sides of a coin. And in the one coin, uh, he is sharing with us that through one man, trespasses actually come and leading us all into sin. And the other says on the other side of the coin, through one man, we have all received that grace. So I want to read verse 16, uh, just so I, I get that very clearly to you. And the free man's gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Amen. So one of the questions I want to first ask us is how has one man made an impact on your life, both on the relationship that you have with God, both now and also for eternity. Because the scriptures are actually telling you and actually sharing with us that one man had an impact negatively that actually led us to a life of sin and a life of death. And so what that, that means to you is that one man is Adam. That one man actually sinned, brought sin into this world. And the result of that, I'm sure you've heard it before, that we've all now been uh, falling short of the glory of God and been separated from God. And I wanted to share with us, you know, probably like an important question, you know, that you may have been thinking about whenever you think about that statement, that we've all been brought under the condemnation of sin because of one man. You know, why does God lump us all in? You know, why does God actually bring us into this uh, understanding that we're all under the same bucket, this all under this, the same camp? You know, why couldn't God just judge me individually uh, so that I can actually stand on my own merit, stand on my own righteousness that God would actually accept? When I want to argue with you today that God actually really does do that. But just as I opened up and actually share with you uh, an introduction of two men, sin works in the same kind of way. Think about Uncle Nearest again. Uncle Nearest is a man that we don't know about. You know, a man, unless you know the history of whiskey making or know the history of people that fell through the cracks, you probably don't know much about Nearest Green. But you know a lot about uh, Jim Beam. <laughs> you know that he is renowned. You know that he has family who actually have prosperity. You know that people still work for the company that Jim Beam actually founded. And what I'm actually sharing with you is this power of one. 
the power of legacy, the power that actually happens when we actually just follow through the line of wherever we are actually uh, destined to receive, because we only can receive what somebody actually passes down to us. And so you think about, you know, the nearest greens of this world, they weren't able to pass down the legacy that he could have had as a Jim Beam had, because there was nothing to pass down. But the Jim Beams of the world, you know, they pass down a legacy that is sustainable. I'm saying this to you also in a spiritual term, because I want you to get it, is that when we actually think about the atoms of the world and we think about the first man who actually sinned, we only received what he had <laughs> and it got passed down from generation to generation. And what he had was a mentality of sin and a lifestyle of sin, a rejection of God, a rebellion of God, a way to be separated from God and a way not to be following the plans that God actually has for us. And that just got passed down to his kids, got passed down to the next generation, got passed down to us. So inadvertently, we are all standing on our own individuality, but our individuality is also coming from those that we actually receive from. You know, it happens in the same way in our families. You know, it happens in the same way where we understand that there are certain habits, there are certain things, there are certain foods that you like, not because you individually like them, because mama showed that to you. <laughs> you know, mama taught me how to actually eat my grits with um, butter and sugar, you know, not with salt and pepper, but with butter and sugar. And I like it that way because that's what it was passed down to me. You know, mama told me, you know, how a fried chicken was actually supposed to taste, you know, and actually shaped the way that I actually look at chicken in another perspective. You know, I'm just sharing with you some of my favorites. You got your own favorites that actually came from your heritage and your family, the things that were actually passed down to you. You know, sometimes you don't like those things. And so you got to abruptly make a change. You got to abruptly make a change and decide what you actually like for yourself and actually introduce a new kind of legacy. And that's where the power of one actually comes into play because God actually desires us to actually recognize that Christ Jesus was on the other side of the coin. He was actually sent to bring us into a new life, into a new reality, to be able to help us to understand that sin no longer has power over us, that we could actually receive eternal life, live with God for all of eternity, starting right now, be part of the family of God and live as if we are children of God and actually be begin to walk into the purposes and the plans that God is actually doing in this world. What I'm describing to you is the righteousness of God and the doctrine of justification, where God is actually declaring to you and declaring to me that you have an opportunity now to be made right in me. You have an opportunity to not live as what you used to be, but to live into something new. You have an opportunity to be moving into a direction that is forever will be changed in your life. Now, I don't know about you, but I need to be recognizing and hearing this message every single day, because as we've talked about it already earlier this morning, as we've prayed about it, this world is in a life of chaos. This world is in a life of this disheval. It is going upside down, topsy turvy, and we need to be directed by God's word. We need to be directed by God's power of what his purpose is and what his plans are in this world. We're not supposed to just sit here waiting on heaven. We are supposed to live as children of God. God, living in the purposes and the plans that God actually has for us. And so when we hear this message today, what I want to remind us of is Christ Jesus came to actually bring something new in our life. Christ Jesus came to actually not just give us a hope for eternity, but that was part of the grand plan. It was part of the grand plan of righteousness for us actually to be cleared right in God and to be made new in him.
Now, I wanted to describe what I mean by righteousness. I wanted to help us to describe what it means, because sometimes when you think about, you know, righteousness, you know, we have a couple of fallacies. You know, sometimes we think about our own self-righteousness, what we can actually do right, uh, what we actually stand on. And that's what we base righteousness on. Well, God looks at righteousness from a different perspective. So I want to give you an example from a legal um standpoint. You know, think about anyone who actually goes into a court of law. When the judge actually rules on their favor, their status is now righteous because God is the judge has now decided that based on what I have seen in this case, I'm going to declare you to actually go free. I'm going to enable you to actually receive what maybe you even if you did it or did not do it, I can still have the power to declare you to be righteous based on my statement. You know, there's a couple examples of that that I want to share with you. Uh, there's a man, there's a judge in Connecticut. I was just watching this this last week. Uh, the judge in Connecticut had a woman come into his courtroom and she was accused of actually speeding through a red light. And as she was accused of actually speeding through the red light, the judge actually said, you know, do you want us to actually watch the videotape before I render my judgment? She said, judge, I don't I don't want actually you to go through all that trouble. I know that I'm wrong. I know that I'm guilty. And he asked her one more time. Are you sure? <laughs> do you want me to show you the video so that we can actually render the judgment according to what I actually see? She said, OK, judge, just go ahead and do it. Well, he actually showed the video and actually say, hey, do you see? this sign here and this tree here, this tree and this sign actually obscures the camera so that anyone who is driving may not actually see that the light was actually turning yellow or red or green. And because of that, I've decided that on this intersection, I'm just going to waive any kind of penalty that actually is due to that person because you couldn't quite see when you should slow down or when you should actually come to a full stop. And the woman was astounded. <laughs> she looked and said, well, judge, I appreciate that, you know, because I knew that I've seen other people come to this courtroom and you can render whatever you decide to render. But you actually rendered me not guilty. That is the definition of righteousness. Whenever God actually decides to be the judge in our life, he can declare at any time to say to you and to say to me, whatever I say is what is declared in your life. It's not based on merit. It's not based on what we do. It's not based on who we are. It's just based on his righteous judgment. You know, there's another example that I want to give you that, you know, sometimes goes in a way that is even far more negative. I don't know if you remember that there was a Stanford swimmer, you know, a couple years ago who actually raped a, a woman behind a dumpster and actually went before a judge and actually was declared uh, and got a short sentence, you know, declared not not so much guilty in what he was supposed to receive, but got a really short sentence. And the judge actually made this statement and he said this one little penalty should not actually obscure or darken this man's life for the rest of his time here. And so I'm going to give him a small uh, uh, punishment, not what he actually truly deserved, but something that he uh 
that I could actually make sure that his life would not actually be harmed by. Now, many people, when they heard that judgment, you know, they went into an uproar because they're like, how could that judge, you know, give that kind of sentence to an individual who was so wrong? And I give you that example, you know, not because I'm actually justifying the judge or justifying that swimmer, but you actually think about our own lives in God and the things that we have done that are heinous, the things that we have done that are wrong, and actually even think about the things that we don't even think are even that bad. You know, in God's eyes, all that matters is what he decides is right and what he decides is wrong. And he can, can declare at any time that you and I are righteous. So the righteousness of God works this way. The righteousness of God is God saying, if you actually believe in my son, Christ Jesus, I'm just going to declare you righteous for the rest of your life because of that. If you believe that he died, was buried and was raised again, I'm going to declare you righteous and you won't have any kind of sense of penalty that may be actually due to you. So what's the result of what it actually means to be cleared to righteous? You know, most of us know this, that it means that we are saved. It means that we no longer have to pay for the penalty of sin. You know, most of us know that we also get the opportunity to receive eternal life, live in heaven with God uh, because of the fact that we believe in Christ Jesus. But I want to ask you a couple more questions. Do you also know that it means to be declared righteous, that we are part of now God's family? Do you also know that when we are declared righteous in God, that we are part of the purposes and plan that God has for the rest of the world, because the righteousness of God truly means that he is going to use his people who actually have faith in Christ Jesus to actually live out the purposes and plans that God actually has for this world. That's actually what it means to be righteous. And so God has actually decided, I want a people who's actually going to live for me. I want a people who actually is going to live out what I want to get done and what I want to get accomplished on this earth. And that question I have have for you and I is when we look at the world, we see the chaos, we see the disheaval, we see all the things that are wrong in this world. Are we the solution? <laughs> are we the solution as God's people, as he, as he's declared us to be, or are we a people who are just watching the news, you know, watching things out of the window, sitting in our rocking chair, letting the time go by, letting the things uh, in this air just move about as if we are not a part of the solution. God has actually called us to be a solution in this world by actually being his people. And I want to remind you today, one man, one woman can change the destiny of many, you know, just as one man, one woman, you know, shapes any kind of life, any kind of corporation, you know, you see that people result from those things and those realities. And so I want to ask us a question, you know, today, are you sure <laughs> that you have been declared righteous in God? And are you sure you know that what that means? Because I want to ask you, you know, a couple of subset questions of what it actually means when you know for sure that you've been declared righteous. When you are declared that you are righteous in God, you are free from sin. And so the question that I first have you ha have to ask you, have you uh, known in your heart that you are free from sin? because of your faith only in Christ Jesus. Are you sure that that is the way that you are free from sin of only your faith in Christ Jesus? Are you sure that you are uh, going to live with God for all of eternity because of only the fact that Christ Jesus has set you free? Do you have faith in him in that kind of capacity? And then I want to ask you these subset questions because what it also means to be righteous again, are you sure that you are part of God's family? Are you sure that you are receiving the things as God's people, as children of God? You know, the Bible says, 
in the book of John that in my house, you know, the Lord Christ Jesus is preparing a mansion for each and every one of us. And so there's a reality where that simply means ideologically and theologically that God has something grand in mind for us, that God has something big and, and mighty for us in store. And so God always has something bigger, mightier than you and I could ever imagine. And if we are God's people, if we are the ones who are his family, you know, we should be living a kind of life that is different from anyone else who is not part of God's family. <laughs> Does that make any sense to you? You know, it makes sense to me because that's what it actually means to be part of anybody's family. You know, if I was to tell you that I was a Rockefeller, you know, I should have some kind of status in this world because of just what the great, great grandfathers of the Rockefellers used to do, you know, but I am a descendant, you know, of God himself because I believe in Christ Jesus. So my life should be changed. My life should actually be different. And then the next question I want to ask you, do you believe in the righteous God? And are you living out being righteous in God because of the fact that you're living out the plans and purposes of God? You know, are you living out the plans and purposes that God actually has for you? And I can't tell you what that means, but I can give you a hint because what God has actually designed for the whole world is actually to use a people who will actually help redeem the rest of mankind. And that people is those who he calls his family, people who actually believe in Christ Jesus. And he's going to use every means that we have in this world to begin to redeem everybody else. That's what he called Abraham to do. That's why he actually sent Abraham, you know, on this journey as a sojourner in the world to get to the promised land so that all people could actually be part of God's family. And everywhere we go, neighborhoods, uh, on the job, you know, neighbor, strangers that we meet, family that we actually create and cultivate as our own, you know, all those are opportunities that God gives us so that we can actually redeem mankind. You know, are you living in that kind of reality? <laughs> and so, if you heard that, it's a mouthful. It's a mouthful that I'm actually sharing with you because I am sure that all of us have, that are listening to this message are not living out the purpose that God actually has for us according to this message. Because many of us are just being held back. You know, we're being held back from actually allowing the one man, Christ Jesus, to really receive all that we have. And why do we do that? You know, it's thrown, it's thrown through history that we have all fallen under the legacy that is what's called the legacy of the one man who has sinned, which is Adam. And as we read that in verse uh, 16, I'm going to read it one more time. And the free gift is not like the result of one man's sin for the judgment following one's trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Christ Jesus. One man can change the legacy and the trajectory of many. And if you are uh, uh, being held back, and I think that we are being held back, you know, one of the things that I think that we are held back from is the fact that we just like our sin just a little bit too much. You know, we're just so comfortable with the sin life that we live that it becomes a pattern in our life. And I want to give you an illustration. I want you to think about, you know, the cutest dog that you've ever seen in your life. You know, and I've, I've seen many cute ones, you know, this past week, you know, went over to a friend's house and, you know, the cutest dog that I've ever seen just jumped on me and I didn't brush it away, but I hugged the dog and, you know, found that, you know, this dog was cute. <laughs> this dog was lovable. And, and many of us love our pets because of that reality. 
But if we're not careful and we understand how dogs really are, if we let a dog just do what they want to do, a dog will get into some mess. You know, a dog will actually do some things that are even harmful for itself because a dog just doesn't know better. And I want to use that as an illustration because of the fact that when you and I uh, live in this world, we just don't recognize how detrimental, how difficult sin actually really impacts the life that we actually are living in this world. You know, there are many things that we do that are just harmful for us. And we don't recognize that it's because of the sin patterns and the sin habits that are actually in our life. And I can look at, you know, heinous sins, you know, that, that you all may know from like the 10 commandments, you know, that you still may be struggling with, you know, I can look at issues of sexual immorality You know, I can look at a whole bunch of issues and describe what sin actually means. But I actually want to look at some things that you may overlook because the Bible actually says in Romans chapter 14, that whatever is not a faith is actually sin. Whatever, Whatever is not a faith in God is actually truly called sin. And so sometimes, you know, there are a couple things that I think that gets us off the trajectory of where God actually wants us to live as God's people. And the three things that I wanted to actually share with you today is sometimes there's this word called comfort. <laughs> you know, we are too comfortable, you know, with our life that we are not willing to actually make the changes that God desires us to make. But I want to remind us that God actually calls us sojourners in this world. This world is not our home. And as a Christian, what that means is that we are ambassadors for Christ, meaning that we're sent here on assignment. We should always be consistently ready to understand that we're never really going to be comfortable in this world. You know, we're always going to be kind of on edge. You know, there's going to be some some things where God needs to move us in different places. You know, some things that we may not get accustomed to in this world because it's not our final destination at all. The second thing that I wanted to share with you is not only that that comfort sometimes holds us back, but also I wanted to share with us that fear actually holds us back. You know, I want to remind us what, what the Apostle Paul actually taught his uh, spiritual son, Timothy. He says, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but he's given you the spirit of peace, love, and a sound mind. And, and many of us don't recognize that fear can actually hold you back from just taking the step, doing the things that God actually desires you to do, to live in the plans and purposes that he actually has for your life, to actually truly embrace yourself as part of God's family and to receive an inheritance because I want to remind you in faith how an inheritance works is that God actually desires you and I to have faith in him, to believe in him. And then he actually tells us how to go get what we actually believe in and how to get what we actually receive. You know, that's very different. You know how this world works. You know, I want to give you this illustration. You know, if you and I think about you know, what it actually means uh, to receive anything in this world, we can use a perfect illustration called work. And many of us, we work five days a week. Uh, we put in a hard day's uh, work of labor, you know, whether or not it's sitting out in front of a computer or whether or not it's actually getting out and, and engaging with people or outside uh, enduring the elements of nature. Whatever it is, we put in a hard days of work. And at the end of a week or at the end of two weeks, we are expecting a paycheck from that work. You know, that's how this world actually works. But I want to remind you again that how God actually desires us to receive from him is the opposite. 
He desires us to actually believe that he has actually told us something, believe that he has actually given us something. Then he actually shows us how to receive it. That's completely different because how to receive it might not include anything that actually looks in the same kind of way of actually working a nine to five job. It's just believing God, receiving it and allowing him to show you how to receive it. It may include some kind of work, but I just want to show you it's the flip side. It's the opposite of what we typically expect. And sometimes, you know, when I talked about the second thing that holds us back, which is fear, is that we are not willing to receive by faith and then move in the direction that God desires us to move in. You know, we're paralyzed. You know, we're just we just frozen in a place without courage, uh, without the the capacity to move forward. And God says, when we are in that state, you're no good to him. When we're in that state, we're not being going to receive the fullness of all that God has for us. And then the third thing that I wanted to share with us that actually sometimes prevents us from actually receiving all that God has for us is called tradition. It's called being used to the same systems and the same rhythms of doing things over and over again. And we think God is in the system. We think God is in the, the, the rhythm of things, but God is not. And I want to use this as an illustration today. You know, think about, you know, the whole system that we've had for church. You know, we've had a system of what we actually call church, the local church over the last, you know, umpteenth years since I've actually been born. And it meant going to church on Sunday, sir, on Sunday, uh, coming to a crowd, hearing what a man has to say or a woman has to say, listening to a crowd and, and doing things from that capacity. Well, we have recognized that during the pandemic that we were not able to do that anymore. You know, so that tradition has now had to die on its sword because God still is going to do what he is going to do. And today's age, God is doing a new thing. He is trying to show us that I still want you to hear my word, but it might not be this through the same channels that we've already experienced it before. I still want you to worship me, but I, it might not be through those same channels because God never wants us to get caught up in the traditions that we create for him. Instead, God actually wants us to live by his spirit, live by his power, and be moving in the direction that God always has for us. That's why we're declaring this message a new start, a fresh start, because it is time for us to recognize that we're not going back to the old traditions. We're not going back to the old things. And so I, I want to ask you a question. Have you been caught up with actually thinking about, oh, I can't wait till this pandemic is over. I can't wait to be able to do what I actually used to do before. When I wanna ask you a, a, a flip side question, what if things never change? <laughs> what if the reality that we live in today is just the start of something new? What if the world that we are living in today is only the fresh start that God is actually trying to do in this world? It's always revolutionary periods in time and maybe we're experiencing. Do you ever remember the time when we didn't have the Internet? You know, when we didn't have the opportunity to use our a, a computer in our hand as a smart device to actually get us around the city where we had to pull up maps and we had to know by memory where we actually were going. Well, that's a revolutionary time where we couldn't say, well, I can't wait till we go back to the time of having maps. I can't wait back to go back to the time where we don't have the Internet. That day is past. That day is over. God is doing something new at that period of time. And he's doing something new today. You know, do you remember the time where we actually used to? Uh, listen to music on CDs and listen to music on tapes. You know, I remember that it took about half my wall with the CDs and tapes that I actually used to have. And today I actually recognize that through MP, MP, um, uh, through digital music, uh, through digital video that I can have, uh, 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 
countless numbers of, of, of songs and albums, you know, just on a device that I could have, you know, in a physical room. I don't want to go back, <laughs> you know, to what we actually used to do. I want to continue to move forward because there's more music, more uh, videos that I can actually watch and have availability to because there's a new thing that is actually going on. I'm saying those as illustrations for us to recognize that we're living in a time right now where things are new. Things are where God's calling us to actually do something new. And my question for you is, are you prepared to actually walk in what God has new for you in your life? I can give you the illustration of what God is actually doing with the church, because I know that God has a new season for us. He is ready for us actually to share his gospel in ways that are innovative, in ways that we've never done before. He wants us to be able to disciple in ways where we're not gathering people just in a location that's called the local church, but we're really active in our neighborhoods. We're really active in our homes. We are really being the people that God has desired us to be. That's a new thing. That's a new way that God wants us to do it. Uh, it doesn't mean that he has never done that before, but it's the way that he is doing it is going to be new in this season, in this time. What is God ready to do in your life? What is God ready to give you a fresh start in? And I want to remind us again of what holds us back. You know, I mentioned that sin itself, you know, sin, you know, is just the stumbling block because we don't really want to get out of our way. And sometimes, you know, getting out of our way is based on us just not knowing that we are doing some things that are just harmful for our own self. Comfort is one of those things, you know, where we are just so consistently used to what we are always doing that we're not ready to get outside the boat. But God wants us to always live a life outside the comforts of our realities and understand that we are sojourners. We are the ones who are actually always supposed to be the leading edge and the cutting change in this world. The second thing that holds us back sometimes is just fear. But remember, God is not giving you the spirit of fear. He's giving you the spirit of peace, love, and a sound mind. And the third thing that holds us back is tradition. Just the system and rhythms of consistently doing the same thing over and over again without recognizing that God is actually ready to do a new thing. God wants us to walk in the pathway of Christ Jesus. He wants us to receive something new that you and I have never actually ever received before. And I want us to be reminded that we do that because God actually will call one man. He'll call one woman who actually can change the directory of this world. Let me give you an example. You know, we've been talking about uh, through the book of Romans, this man named Abraham. And this man named Abraham is important because God calls him the foundation of faith. He calls him the pioneer of faith. He calls him the one that we, you and I are supposed to live our life by. And I want us to think about that, you know, through this week, you know, read uh, Genesis chapter 12, read Genesis chapter 13, read the story of Abraham this week so that you can actually see how he actually lived in the faith that God has actually provided for him. And he lived in that faith because God called him as one man. And he said, I want you to leave your traditions. I want you to leave your comforts. I want you to, to not be afraid and actually take a step of faith and actually move into the desires that I actually have for you. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse four, I want to read this passage to you so that you can see with your own eyes how Abraham was actually able to move away from comfort how he was able to move out of his fears, how he was able to move away from the traditions that his family had already established before him. Amen. Holy Spirit, help us as we begin to hear this message so that it may benefit our life. In Genesis chapter 12, 
Here's what the Bible says in verse uh, four. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse four. So Abram went. That's the whole key. So Abraham went because the Lord had actually told him to do so. Just as the Lord told him and lot with with him, Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran and Abram took Sarai, his wife and lot, his brothers, son and all their possessions that he had. They had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran and they set out to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the place, which is called Shechem to the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in that land. And watch this. In verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give you this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to a hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on the way toward the Negev. And so I wanted to talk about the comfort he was able to move away from. He was not from this place. And he was probably comfortable living with his father and living with his his family, all that he had. But God told him, I need you to get out of that place to the place that I desire for you. Verse four shows us that he left. He wasn't afraid. You know, he didn't actually get bound up by his fears, but he actually was able to move to that new place. And I'm showing you this story of Abraham because sometimes we need to have encouragement from the scriptures. We need to have encouragement from the people who are patriarchal in this world because God used Abraham as an example of faith so that we actually live in the example that he actually demonstrated. And so we need to read the Abrahams. We need to read the Moses. We need to read the people in the Bible so that we understand how to actually walk in them. And then verse seven, it says uh, these words, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord and he appeared to him. I wanted to focus on that one verse is because I wanted you to see that he had not received the promise that God had for him yet, but he was still in that place. And he was sitting there believing in hope, resting in God, that God was actually going to do the thing that he actually said that he was going to do. Reminded that I said that faith is that time where we actually receive what God actually says. Then we actually go and actually do what God tells us to do. And oftentimes when we actually live by that kind of faith, we are standing in a place where we know the blessing is supposed to be here, but it's not there yet. You know, it's a place where God says, just just continue to believe in me. Your builder and maker is me. I'm going to build it right in your midst. Even when you see it as a barren land, even when you see it as a desolate place, I'm going to actually build it so that you actually see it standing strong and you can only give me the praise. You can only give me the glory because God does not desire you and I to actually get glory, to get desire for anything that he actually creates. That's why it's called faith. That's why it's by grace, because God actually desires us to trust him and allow him to work it out in our time in our lifetime, in our own ways. But God will never allow us to get credit for it. And that's what Abraham was doing. Imagine a man just living in the wilderness, living in the deserts, knowing that one day it was going to be one of the pinnacle cities of this rural 
called Jerusalem, a place where all the people of God will actually come and worship him and be the center of religiosity in this world. And that's what it is today. It still is that pinnacle place. And it's going to be even greater, you know, when Jesus Christ actually returns. Amen. Now, you may be I want to ask you a question because you may be having a statement. Well, I'll never be as great as an Abraham of the world. You know, I'll never be someone who actually has cities and cities and peoples and peoples, you know, come underneath me because of just my acts of faith. Well, I want to remind you of a man named Jabez. And I'm sure you may have heard this before. Oh, oh Lord, bless me, bless me indeed, enlarge my territory so that you may not do me harm. That was the prayer of one man. His name was Jabez that was buried in the book of Chronicles, buried in the book of Chronicles, where it was just listing people who were significant, people who actually just ran through the lineage of what is the family of Abraham. And when Jabez's name is mentioned, it's mentioned in obscurity. So you and I know that whatever we receive from God, we can actually just reach out by faith and God's going to do it. So this one man in first Chronicles chapter four, verses nine through 10, actually prayed this one prayer and actually just said, Lord, bless me, bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, keep me from evil so that I may not do others harm. You know, I wanted us to, to be reminded that if you just have faith in God, God can do some outstanding things in your life. You know, you can be, uh, a person that is from, you know, an obscure place like Jabez was. You can be a person who nobody knows and God can say, I'm still going to use you. You'll still be in the chronicles of time because you actually stepped out in faith and actually believed what I actually called you to believe. I want us actually go now uh, begin to move to the destination that God actually has for us in this message by going back to Romans chapter five, Romans chapter five. And I'm going to read verses 20 and 21 um, because I want you to, to see, you know, what this is supposed to look like in our life. When we receive all that Christ Jesus has actually promised to give us in this world. Romans chapter five. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, help us as we begin to, to hear what you're trying to say. In verse 20, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Grace might also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. One man can change the trajectory and the legacy of many. And as you think about Christ Jesus, he is that example. He is the pinnacle of what that actually means in our life. You know, I've talked about Uncle Nearest. You remember Uncle Nearest, right? Uncle Nearest, you know, today uh, has a restored foundation where people recognize that he was the original recipe maker. He was the original distiller for the Jim Beam uh, company. And so what they've done is actually restored his legacy from the ashes, from the dust, and created a new company over the last couple of years. And think about the impact that this company is now having. They've actually created what's called a foundation, which is uh, giving back to anyone who was a descendancy of Nearest Green and giving away at least so far 200 scholarships to any individual who actually was part of the Nearest Green family. What I'm trying to show you is that one man can have an impact and how big of the impact he really could have. They're trying to restore 
some of that impact. In Christ Jesus, what I'm actually trying to share with you and trying to share with me and trying to share with all of us is that he is one man that has made an impact and a legacy that will last for us for all of eternity. And it starts right now. Christ Jesus wants us to recognize and understand that when you actually get into the boat, into the into faith in him, he begins to free us from sin that is due a penalty that we will never have to pay for again in our life. He is going to give us eternal life where we actually come into relationship with God for all of eternity. We won't actually have to experience any of the pitfalls for the life and the consequences that we actually have lived. Also, what Christ Jesus wants us to know is to have it all. He wants us to recognize that we are a child of God. We're part of a new family. We've been adopted into the royal family of this world, the highest of the highest, the greatest of the greatest. Christ Jesus has said, I want you to be my brother. I want you to be my sister. I want you to experience all the joys that God actually has for you. Think about that prodigal son. It was an illustration where God was actually trying to tell us and trying to share with us. If you can actually just recognize what family that you belong to, you won't actually eat from the scraps. You won't actually live from the poverty mentality, but you'll live with this mindset of faith that says that you are a child of God and you can have what God actually desires you to have. God wants us to lift our eyes and recognize that we're supposed to see life from his perspective, only from the reality that he has actually given to us. We need new vision, new reality for who God has actually truly called us to be. I'm a child of the king, <laughs> a child of the king of all of eternity, a child of the king who made everything for what there was not one thing that was made or created in this world. And I'm a child of his. He's a adopted me into the family. So I've got to think like him. My ways have to be higher. My, my thought patterns have to be greater. They have to be divine and godly. They have to have the creative mentality that God has given to me. And I must believe by faith that that's who I am so that God can actually show me how to get it. Amen. Amen. That's who he wants you to be. And then I also have to recognize that I am on the purpose and assignment that God actually has for me in this earth. You know, God has designed me to be a redeemer, to be a reformer, to be a change aging in this world. When I see the desolation, when I see the chaos, I must recognize that God has given me the assignment as the family of God to actually change his purposes. You know, one man can actually change the trajectory of this world. Think about what Christ Jesus did. Every time he came, people were healed. Every time he came, people were hearing the proclamation of the gospel and recognized that my life is now new in Christ Jesus. As his people, as his hands and feet, God has actually called us to go into the places that are desolate, the places that are dark, and just proclaim Christ Jesus so that we can actually show people that there is something better by being the child of the king, where you no longer have to be bound by your sin, where you have eternal life in him because of how good that he is. That's our assignment. That's our purpose. And God's giving you that job. He's giving you that neighborhood. He's giving you that place so that you be a witness to him in the way that God desires us to be. You know, my friends, my family, are you ready? <laughs> are you ready to be a child of the king? Are you ready for a fresh start? Are you ready for new? I'm ready. I'm ready for the new season that God has had before me. I'm ready to let go of what was in the past. I'm ready to let go of my traditions. I'm ready to let go of my comforts. I'm ready to let go of my fear. Lord, I'm praying today that you build the strength and courage in me, that you build the strength and courage in, in us that we are watching and we are living by today. We want the promises that you have for us. We are 
children of the king, the eternal king of the glory. And so, Lord, allow us to actually learn what that means and live by it, receive it by faith. Lord, give us the faith that we so desire us today. Lord, let us not be lied to. Let us not recognize the legacy that we are supposed to have. Let nothing be stolen from us. Let us actually learn from what was done in the past and be the people that we have desired to be. Well, if this message has been a blessing to you and you are ready to actually allow that one man, Christ Jesus, to change the trajectory of your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that this one man, Christ Jesus, was sent into this world so that we may be able to recognize that through him, our sin is now forgiven. Lord, we believe that he came into this world, that he died, was buried, and was raised again. And by faith in that, Lord, we believe that we are restored. We believe that our relationship with you is now reconnected, that we will spend eternal life with you, uh, that we will uh, grow in a relationship that so you desire. Uh, Lord, we know that we will be brought into the family of God and begin to live out your purposes and plans. If you prayed that prayer with me in the name of Jesus Christ, I would love for you to let me know. Go out to our website and actually fill out a comment card or use social media through this YouTube channel or through um, our Facebook channel or even Instagram and actually just connect with us and let us know that you've prayed that prayer of faith, that prayer of salvation. And if you've actually prayed that prayer as well, because you just want a fresh start, a new start, I want you to comment and actually connect with me as well, because I wanted to give you encouragement. I want to give you the next steps of God's plan for your life so that you can be walking in the direction and the pathway that God so desires.